class is in memory of Jared Orchen. And today we're going to learn the after of Pasha's Acharei and Acharei Gdoishim. Page 1435. This is the if you read, if, if it like this here, when it's two Pashas together, this is the after for the two Pashas together. When it's, when, it's, when it's separated, this will be the Aftorah for Acharei, and will be another Aftorah for Gdoshim. Basically, this is the Aftorah that will be read, read, be read most of the times. But we didn't learn that yet, but we're going to learn that now. It's from the book of Amos, Prophet Amos. When was Amos? Eighth century. Mid-eighth century. Yeah, yeah. Eight, eight, he was yeah. like the earliest of the, the uh, literary of, prophets. Of the what? Of the later uh, prophets. Of like Isaiah, Ezekiel, yeah. Jeremiah. He was the earliest, I guess. Of this of group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from where is he coming? Northern Kingdom. He was coming from Judah to the Kingdom of Israel and start to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Was Hoshea Probably first not a good or idea. Amos? They were contemporaries, but right, I guess Amos right. was just slightly ahead of him. Okay. And he came to the kingdom of Israel, mm. and he started to give them Musa, to, give, to reprimand them, to tell them, to rebuke them. Obviously, the crowd was not so receptive and enthusiastic about it. The Medrash says, I think, that he was killed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was, he was, what he started, there is another Torah that we read from the book of Amos. I think for Parashat Vayeshev. And the style is, the style of Amos was a very interesting style. He started, for the three sins of Damascus, I will not forgive, forgive them, in the name of God. Everybody wants to hear the sins of Damascus. Then he says, for the three sins of other countries, for the three sins of Judah, oh, he's speaking even against his own people, sure, great. Then he says, and for the three sins of Israel, oh, by then he got the attention of the whole crowd. It is to go around the towns and reprimand the whole world outside. Everybody likes to hear that, oh, Russia is bad, and Syria is bad, and ISIS is bad, and everybody says, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, he said, and you guys are also not so bad. And by then, they heard what they said. This is the last chapter in the Book of Amos. And here is actually kind of giving some a positive language. There is here, the beginning here is like, it's, it's not, you can read it in two ways. You can read it in a negative way, and then you can read it in a positive way. It's very interesting how the commentaries, some take it this direction. I read it all negative, negative. Today I found something, whoa! He has a whole new story here. Then let's start reading a little bit, and we'll see what we, what we make from it. Go ahead. O children of Israel, says God, you are to me like the loyal children of Cush who serve their masters for life. Okay, let's read it without the the parentheses. Children of Israel, says God, you are to me like the the children of Cush. Where is Cush? It's a debate, but some say Ethiopia, some say Yemen. India, Ethiopia, Yemen, yeah. Right. Dark. God says the, 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 the darker one, the darker skinned people. Right? Huh? Two very different directions, India and Ethiopia. Um, really? Then uh, it's probably more Ethiopia. But it could be Kush. Sounds like Yemen, too. Yemen. Mm-hmm. The point is like this. 
Now God tells the Jewish people, you are like Bnei Kushim, like the people of Ethiopia to me. What does this mean? Is this a positive statement? I don't think so. It seems like a universal statement. I thought that we are the chosen people. Now you're telling me you're like everybody else. Loyal. That's in, that's in parentheses. Well, that's the text. Right. How would you know? The text says, like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Jews, this is before the destruction of the first temple, right? Maybe 100 years before the destruction of the first temple, maybe more. At that time, the, every Jew went around with this feeling that he's chosen, nobody can touch him, nothing will ever happen to the Jews or to the Jewish people. Suddenly, God comes and says, you guys, you are like everybody else. And like everybody else can be good and bad, and <coughs> get rid of them, so you too. Mm-hmm. Not a positive uh, mm-hmm. experience. It denies the election. It denies our, that we are the chosen people, right. so to speak. Right. It touched the core of the issue. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can also be unchosen, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Later, you see that no matter what, it will not destroy the Jewish people. But the introduction is not is not is not exciting. He says you are you are you are to be like. I think that's the whole point. Like that doesn't mean that God has forsaken the. You like, but you are like regular people to me. When you don't behave, you're like anybody else, basically. You know, and the interesting thing is it contradicts the parasha kadosh. Where, right? It says, it's "You're not, a holy people unto me, a special people." If you will be holy, right? If we will be holy, True. then we'll be holy. You understand? Right. You're right, but you're right. It's contradicting. Right. I think the basic right. stories of the parsha of, of the of the chosen people in the Ten Commandments in the Mount Sinai. God says, "You'll be a, a people, a, a treasured people to me, and a holy people to me." God says it many times. Right. But there, 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 there are other commentators who take this very positively and say it's a universalistic message, just like everybody's, love your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, everybody's good. Huh? Yeah, and there's a shade of good in everybody. You know, it's true. Uh-huh. But it does mean because there's a shade of good in everybody means that we are like everybody else. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Not because I love my neighbor it doesn't mean I don't love my child more. Yeah, I mean it's, it's always a been universal, but we were still. There are commentators who say that this shows that everybody else is chosen as well. You know, the moment you say everybody else is chosen, then there is no then chosen. nobody's chosen. Exactly. Well, chosen right. for different things. Yeah. If everybody is good, no, no, it's not so either so either you're 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 downgrading the, the children of Israel or you're uplifting everybody else. It's one of the no, mad, no matter how you translate it, there's an equality. Equality and not a good message to the Jews. Maybe a good message to everybody else, but not to us. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just finish the verse, if you don't mind. Should I read the prophecies? Please. For I only took Israel out from Egypt to serve me, but I did not take the Philistines from Kephor nor Aram from Kur. Okay, now, if you don't read the parentheses, what it's written here? For I took Israel out from Egypt... But the but means also you can even translate to say it, the Philistines from uh, from Kaftor uh, and and, uh, and Noah Ram from Kir. Basically, God says 
I took everybody else from one place to another. You're not the only one. That's the regular translation if you read just the text. I took you out to Mitchell, I took them out from Kafto. I took them out. Uh, but it says, yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not it clearly written, but the, it, the meaning is that I took you out and I took the them others out? out too. I took them out too. Right. Yeah. That if you behave, fine. If not, goodbye. Right. Since I did not take in parentheses. Uh, in parentheses. I did not take. Now, what's the next? But now we'll read number five. <coughs> but since you sin, the eyes of God Almighty are upon the sinful kingdom of Ephraim. And I will wipe it off the face of the earth. But I will not completely destroy the house of Yaakov, says God. Okay, here is some, some good news. I will destroy you, but I will not destroy you completely. Not like the other nation were destroyed completely. I will not destroy you completely. That after all, you are like Kushim, but not the same. Now comes the second um, commentary. Where is the word Kush? Mentioned in the Bible also, again. A uh, couple places, I think, but uh, the Queen of Sheba is from Kush. Yeah. Yeah. Moses' wife? Moses' wife, yeah. Moses' wife. Zipporah. Right. Zipporah. What's written yeah. about Moses' wife? She wasn't It's written about Moses' wife. Uh, so doesn't Miriam make a reference to that? Also, uh, Page 937. Um, actually, page 935, actually. Number, chapter 12, number 1. Uh, Miriam and Aaron spoke critically about Moshe regarding his divorce mm -hmm. from the woman of renowned beauty that he had married. Of renowned beauty. You know what's written in the text? Look at three lines from the bottom in the Hebrew side. The fourth and fifth uh, word, Aisha Akushit. Akushit. Means the Ethiopian Akushit. woman, the Midianite woman, the dark woman. That's literal. Kush is dark? Kush means, no, it's a place. That's what I thought. Kush is a place, Ethiopia. So, the people from Ethiopia are black. Right, well, that that's, I know. That's the idea. Okay. Then, literally, it means she came from Kush. You see how they translate it? The renown of renowned beauty that comes from Rashi. Rashi says, as much as, 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 a, as a dark person sticks out among everybody, so too the beauty of Tsipora stuck out among everybody. You understand? Just like a cushy sticks out from among everyone, mm -hmm. And everybody recognizes them. So too is she was so beautiful that she, she, she stood out. So this is Rashi's interpretation. Rashi's interpretation. But the literal text says she's from Kush. She's from Kush. Now, if you understand this way, the, the text, now it makes sense. You are sticking out. You are so different like, a, like somebody from Kush sticks out. You are different. Not... That the message is not that you are like everybody else, just the opposite. Mm -hmm. You are not like everybody else. That's the most positive message. So you are like the children of Kush. 
like the children of Kush are so different, so too Atem Libne Israel, you are for me the Jewish people. Wow. Oh, now it sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. That's the way to learn it. There's always the positive way to translate the Torah and the negative way. Mm-hmm. Our job is to translate it in the positive way. Mm-hmm. And he says, I, to, I took only, now it makes sense with the parentheses, mm-hmm. only Israel I took out from Egypt. Did I took out uh, the, the Egyptian from, uh, I took out the Palestines from Kaftor and the Aramites from, from Kir. I didn't. Only you I took out. Because you stand out. Because you're different. That's what he says. Kaftor and Aram and Kir are also Egypt? No, it's not Egypt. There is Kaftor. You learn about the Kaftor in the beginning in Bereshis. Mm-hmm. Remember Kaftor? Amy come from Kaftor. Is, is in the, like from Cyprus? Or? Where is Kaftor? God <laughs> I don't know. I really I'm sure you can look up on this on the, on the cell phone. You'll find out where Kaftor it's is. It's not the same then. I mean, he's not Philistines. He took us out of uh, um, Egypt. Egypt from Kaft- yeah. And the Philistines, it's not from Egypt, it's from this other place. I said the Philistines from Kaftor. I know, but. but oh, and so around from so, Kiel. So why are we um, special then? Because he didn't take him out. He took out only us out. He didn't take them out. That's what he says. For I only took, uh, took Israel out from Egypt to serve me, but I did not take the Palestine from, from Kaftor, nor, uh, nor Aram from Kir. He did not take them out. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> okay, now he says, if you're about God will be, God's eyes are on the, are on the bed kingdom. Mm-hmm. Where is written Eine Hashem? What means God dies? There is Eine. Two, there is sometimes it's written two eyes and sometimes it's not only one eye. Right. Remember something? There is, I remember a Medrash in, and, and there is in Psalms, there is one time it's written God's eyes, plural, and one is one, one God, one eye. And two eyes is more a stronger protection of God. Then, and then it's written about the Jewish people. God might be, might be angry with the, with, the evil, with the evil kingdom, but it's two eyes of God are on us. No matter how bad the Jewish people are, it's written about the land of Israel. That God's eyes are in the land of Israel from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. Remember such a line? The Rebbe did like that line. You very much. Ten days of repentance? Huh? Ten days of repentance? No, 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 it's in the Bible. Protection. It's a protection. Yeah. That here, even it's written in a bad way, it's still a good thing. He says, because I will never destroy the people at the house of Jacob. But he's also, I think the message too is saying that you don't take me for granted. Absolutely. Okay, you can, you will still be punished for your sins, just like everyone else. But not like everybody else, you'll never be destroyed completely. Right, but still. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I think that's, that's the message. Absolutely, but that's a message full of hope. You're different, you're unique. You're special to me. 
God punishes the Jews, so to speak, because they are special, because he cares for their behavior. Right. You don't care for your neighbor's behavior. Right? That's not my business. Your neighbor's child is not your business. Your child, how do you do it? Right. If they keep the covenant, okay, if they obey and so forth, but the idea of historical redemption, okay, and election as a result of you know, being taken out of Egypt is is that was know, the chosen? Yeah. is is an entry of uh, God into history, right? Entry of the Jews into history. Right, right. But that's the the, the uh, that idea is sort of put in question. Oh, it's not put in a question. It, it says even though you were yeah. chosen, don't mean don't take it for don't mean you can do whatever you want. That's what right, it means. Right. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to punish you. Right. Yes, you're right. Here he says, let's read number nine. For I am going to issue a command and I will exile the house of Israel among all the nations. But the righteous will persevere just as a pebble <clears throat> shakes back and forth in a sieve but does not fall to the ground. Basically, God will, uh, you know, like what, what is called, you when you sift, uh, sift anything, then the bad, the good will stay, and the bad will fall off, so to speak. That will happen in the exile, so to speak. That's why the Jewish people go to exile. Kind of, the strong will survive, and the other ones will be assimilated. That's what really is happening. Mm -hmm. But you see, going, going, going into exile was also a blessing from God. It's written in the Parsha, I think of this week, we're going to read in Parsha's Bechokoisai. Then God is exiling the Jewish people for what? Because he wants to make sure we are not only in one person, in one place to be destroyed. That if there is Jews in one place or being suffering, there's always be Jews in another country to continue Judaism. It'll never be over. Mm -hmm. Jews are spread all over the world for a purpose. Right. And that, that's what happened. Uh, when the uh, Syrians defeated the north. There, there was a remnant that survived. You're right. That's happened many times. I mean, in the Holocaust, I mean, you don't have to go far. That's right. When it was the Holocaust, just in America, I was still there, flourishing. Uh, but this is the period that we're talking You're right. about. Yes, yes, yes. Probably this is a little earlier than that. Yeah, uh, just before that. Yeah, just before, right. just yeah. before. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. what Amos' job was, to right. tell people you, if you will not wake up, that's where it's going. Right, right. This it, is actually, I think, a few uh, decades before the North. You are collapsed. right. Yeah, these right, are the final right. warnings, basically. Yes. Get your yes. act in order. Yes, yes, that's yes. Correct. But in the end of the prophecy of Amos, it Remember doesn't warnings. even give. It looks like he gave up. It looks, he, he sees a vision that God tells him this was going to happen. And there is no, in the beginning, he stands up to try to save the Jews, and then it just, this is it, it's over, mm -hmm. kind of. Mm -hmm. That here, it's often after he's, he's giving up, he says, still, the Jewish people as a whole will survive. The, the, this kingdom, kingdom of Israel will not survive, but the Jewish people will survive. That's what he's mm -hmm. really saying. Mm -hmm. Number 10. All. One second. You're looking for something? Huh? No, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm looking at I mean, the Parsha. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm trying to say, where is this written? That, uh, 
that the eyes of God are on the land of Israel from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Uh, yeah, I was looking at that and then got deflected. We're looking for that. I thought that was the light used for the 10 days of repentance. No, 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 no. It's somewhere in the Deuteronomy, I just don't remember where. Maybe it's here. I start to look for it, it'll be too long. Okay, well, that's what's written there. Now comes the number 10. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All of the sinners of my people who say, no evil will approach or come to us quickly because they deny the principle of reward and punishment will die at the sword of the nations, but the righteous will persevere. That's what he's saying here. That's exactly the message he's trying to say. Don't think you'll be, be punished. The Jewish people were going around and saying uh, that this temple, that was an expression in time in, in a book for Jeremiah and Isaiah, this temple will Mishkan. So I don't remember exactly what they said. This temple will protect us. As long as we have the temple, the popular belief was that as long as we have the temple, we are safe. Keep the temple, do whatever you want, you're safe. You see, Amos was going around and basically reprimanding the Jews for not for not being observant mainly for not being nice to other people, for, being, for not caring for the poor. Right. It was a very social message. There is one line in the book of Amos that he says that the, 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 the owners of the stores are saying, when Shabbos will be over, we can go back to the store and rip off the poor. That they observe Shabbos. And waiting when Shabbos will be over, they can rip off the poor. You understand? It's interesting. From there we learn, they said, when Shabbos will be over, when Rosh Chodesh will be over. From there they learn that in biblical times, Rosh Chodesh was also an observant day. People were not walking on Rosh Chodesh. It wasn't not allowed, but people were not walking on Rosh Chodesh. Kind of 4th of July type of thing. Then, what you see is all message from Amos. It's all about being nice. That you, they, that you, you don't, the leaders don't care for the poor people, and then that there is a separation from the rich, take advantage of the poor, and so on and on. Mm -hmm. It's a social message because Israel at that time, the kingdom of Israel was doing well financially. The economy was booming. Mm -hmm. And he says, if you will not care for the simple people, then, then you're going to lose everything for the poor people. So the implication is that the kingdom of Israel was destroyed not because they were idol worshippers, but because of the way they treated each other? It goes together with idol worship. So they go hand in hand. Yeah. If you, it's if interesting you. enough. People keep Shabbos and were idol worshippers. They were putting a film and still idol worshippers. Idol worshipping was a strange thing. The, in time of in the biblical Israel, Jews were religious and they were idol worshippers. Because of their religion, you understand? What idol worshipping means? I'm looking for something, something more tangible, a God that they can hold on to. It's coming from the, from the need of having a God, you understand? Being an idol worshipper in one point is a, a religious man is an idol worshiper. Somebody who's not religious doesn't care for anything. He doesn't need God, he doesn't need an idol, he doesn't need anything. No, they weren't atheists. They, That's what I'm saying. But why, what's the attraction of the idol worshiper? It's a sense of security. It's <laughs> false security. Self-support. <laughs> you make your own God. Yeah, it's a visible uh, God. Yeah. No, it's you shape God the way you want it. I don't like this God, I'll take this God. You don't want to be my God. He is my God. I shape God in my, in my, 
Instead of we are in the image of God, the God is in my image. The way you like him. I don't like him today, you like tomorrow. We create a new philosophy. This, the joke is that once a rabbi came and he, they asked him, and they wanted to hire him, what is your beliefs? He gives them all speech, but he said, but if you don't like it, I have another set of beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? That's, that's the attraction in the idol worship. <clears throat> Then on one hand you have a God, but the God that tells you that doesn't tell you what to do. You know, they say the, the Jerusalem, Jerusalem Jews, they love the cotton. Why Jews run to the cotton? To the wall in Jerusalem? It's a rabbi who doesn't tell you what to do. It's a rabbi. You understand? He only listens. <coughs> like a good mother listens, you're the best, you're good. But he never demands. Never asks you what to do. Sure! Kotel, eh? Gate! Everybody wants to go to a Kotel. Going to a living car, tells you, we were you yesterday, what you have to do, it's not what you do, it's not right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, in every time you hear, oh, the previous Rebbe was a very righteous man. Sure, he cannot demand from you anything. Sure, he was a righteous man. No, he's righteous. Because he cannot tell you what to do. You don't mind to say that he's righteous. But the one who is alive, oh, he will ask me to do, who knows what he's going to ask for me tomorrow. <laughs> but this is what the problem was at that time. That's what his warning, Amos is warning. But now in number 11, there is a turning around of the old message. Number 11. On that day when the wicked are punished, I will erect David's fallen sukkah. I David's fallen sukkah. Where we sing in the prayer this expression, sukkah David anofelet? When we bench, benching after the meal, and sukkot, we say a rachaman. You know, you know the rachamans that you say? By the benching, you say this a rachaman will send us Elijah the prophet, a rachaman will do this, he will bear us the honor of the house. Then there is a Rahman. Rahman means the merciful one. God, the merciful one, will establish the, uh, the, the full sukkah of David. Why is it? it represents the Jewish people. God will build back the sukkah of the Jewish people. Right, you're talking about the Messiah here. Or new line. Yeah, so uh, this is messianic, Kingdom. is it not? No, it, but it could be, yeah, refer, it could be referring to you know, the end of the, the sixth century. When Ezra came back, in other words, the you know the, the question post is why it's Babylonian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It means it could refer to all of this. The question is why the the prophet is looking for, is, is using the word sukkah, the sukkah of David. Why not the house of David? Don't we say people from the house of David? Yes. That the expression Moshiach will be from the house yes. of David, the temple, the base of Migdash. Base is a house. Now the house of God, the house of the house of David, the house of Israel. It's all over the house. Why sukkah? Temporary house. It's a temporary house. That's then. Then it's a problem. It's a temporary house. Well, it's 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 a divided house now. Anyway. Now it's a divided house. Okay, and so but before it was divided, it was unified. That's why is he using sukkah? Go ahead. Eyes of God. What? Uh, he's got it here. Guys of God, where which chapter? Azino. Azino, very good, yes. Um, where is it? Where is it? Oh. Baina, Baina, Shana. 
Yeah, the house of God, but it's in a in bad connection. Ah. You do that. You do. You do. You're right. You do. You do the evil thing in the house of God. Yes. Yes. Sorry to interrupt the sukkah. No, no, no problem. Discussion. Then what is this? What with the sukkah? <clears throat> Who used the expression that the description of a sukkah? Ezekiel. In what connection? Yeah, yeah. Ezekiel. Uh, who else? In the War of Gog and Magog. Yeah, beside it. Who uh, not far from the, Ezekiel? Uh, well, Balaam talks about the tents. The tent. Yeah, not the sukkah. Yeah. Jeremiah. Isaiah, when they describe how Assyrian king came and he took over the whole kingdom of Israel and and and, and Judah was left like a sukkah, like a sukkah, like a little uh, um, hut in a kerem, right? You know, the kerem in a vineyard. Jeremiah describes that Jerusalem is like you know, there is an avenue, there is the, the house of the God who sits in, the, who sits in a little hut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how he described Jerusalem was left. Everything was around him, taken away. The only thing was left was a little sukkah. Like a sukkah in the vineyard. That's how he describes it. And here, the good thing about the sukkah, the bad thing, there is a sukkah is very fragile, I think. But you can pull it together. A house, you don't pull back to, you don't put it together back. You build a new house. A suke, you can put together. A fellow power, you put it together. Right. That's a good part. That's what he's saying here. It's not going to be destroyed. It fell apart. We'll put it together. That's okay. Nothing happened. How many times suke fell apart during the middle of suke because of bad wind? Many, many times. Even our shoal, many times. What do you do? You go out, you put, put, you put together like the sukkah, you fix it, fine, move on. That's what he says. The sukkah of King David, the house of Israel, is a sukkah, fell apart, fine, it's not destroyed. It was never destroyed. It fell apart. God will put the sukkah's dove together and we'll move on. Isn't this an interesting message to be telling the northern kingdom because they had abandoned the Davidic kings, right? Uh, it was only the South that had the Davidic king at this point. You're right, but he basically, basically told them that the only future is the Davidic king. <laughs> Don't think you, you, without them you have a future. There is, well, the idea of a sukkah in a kerem, in a vineyard, is very, is very common in the, in the book of Isaiah especially. He, he, describes, he describes there is a famous um, um, parable that God is saying that he, he built a sukkah. No, he, he, he planted a vineyard with, 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 uh, and he wanted to he should grow grapes and they all came out big, bad grapes. He says, I put so much effort in the vineyard and everything came out bad. Mm-hmm. And he's asking the people of Jerusalem, what do you think should I do with the vineyard if it's all bad? Sorry. And then he tells them, the prophet says, the vineyard is the Jewish people. And, I, and Hashem is the one who planted the vineyard. And instead of good food, came out bad food. Then today I heard a story from the Rebbe, from the Talmud, Jerusalem Talmud, about this whole 
metaphor. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was once a part of another six, seven rabbis who came together. Seven rabbis you needed always to grab together to decide that the next year is a leap year. They came together in Bikat Rimon, I think. It was a place in the north, I think. And they were, they were had big arguments. But when they finished, before they left, they kissed each other. For hours to kiss each other is a big achievement, you need to understand. <laughs> because even the arguments, fiery, fiery arguments about Torah, and they disagreed about many things, they, 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 they kissed each other. Then it was so much that one rabbi at that time used to, used to dress themselves with, with uh, a talus. That's how they used to wear. There was no clothing. One rabbi did not have a normal talus, that another rabbi cut off a piece of his talus and gave it to him. Then Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was saying seven commentaries to the verse, Kerem Didi. A vineyard was for my Yedid. Yedid means friend. Who is the friend God? Let's talk about the, the parable that I just told you. And the parable, when you read it, is very negative. Basically, God says, I thought I would get good, good grapes, and it's all ruined, it's all messed up. It's not, it was a waste of time. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was saying commentaries. Then who is Yedidi? Hashem, God is the Yedidi. God is described as my dear friend. Yedidi means a friend. Yedid Hashem, the friend of God. Then God is our friend, a, a true friend, a true friend that really loves you and cares for you. That because the kerem, the vineyard, belongs to the friend, and in this vineyard, all the grapes are growing, that no matter how bad they are, they are still in the vineyard of God. And God is not going to destroy the vineyard. Then the Jewish people are the grapes, are the, the trees of the grapes, what it's called? Vines. The vines. And uh, from time to time, they produce some bad, bad grapes, but it's not really bad. It's, so this, this, this season it was bad, because a Jew has an evil inclination, and from time to time, Chapsamona Mishuga is to do something stupid. But in essence, is a, a, a part of the vineyard of God, and God is the boss, and God doesn't give up on the vineyard, and he continues to build it. So it's different than the American expression, you know, one bad apple spoils the bunch. It's just the opposite. It's interesting what you say now. Spoils the bone, therefore you should throw out the bad apple. Yeah, one, one bad apple spoils the barrel. Then you should, and therefore, there's a big, big argument in schools, in yeshivas, in cheders, in everywhere. One bad student. Should you throw him out because you saved the class or not? The rabbi said, listen, ultimately you have to care for the many. But, he said, you should, you should do everything possible. Not, not, to, not to throw a, a student out of the yeshiva. Should go as far as possible, never to throw out somebody from the yeshiva. What about that 160th rule? One apple in the barrel? One six, what, five or six that's, apples? That's, 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 <laughs> that's not about spoiling, it's about making it not kosher. It's a whole different rule. <laughs> but I remember I had one of my mentors, he says in yeshiva in Kfachabad, there was always the, this guy who said, throw from the, from the principal, from the 
leadership, so throw the, this bad, the bad apples out. And was one guy who was always on the other side. And once he was by the Rebbe, and he says he wanted to ask the Rebbe, what should he do? But if, if he wanted, he didn't want it, he wanted, he didn't want it, he wasn't sure. He's already about walking out from the Rebbe's room. The Rebbe looks at him and told him, try everything he can do to keep them, to keep them in. And he said, he told the story four years later, he says, many of them that I was fighting for them to stay in the yeshiva end up to be very, very good and important rabbis. Then, that's the vineyard of God. In the vineyard of God, every, every, every one of them is a part of it. Mm-hmm. And even if they come out not so great, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, keep them in. He said seven commentaries to it. Why the Rebbe says, why seven? Because the, the menorah is seven branches. It represents the Jewish people. And the Jewish people, all seven branches, he wants to say, no matter which branch it is, it's a part of the same menorah. You know, the menorah had to be etched out from one piece of gold, not seven branches attached together. To make a statement that it's one, one people, one body, not attached, not, not a multiple of people. Is that the same message of the four children and other things Absolutely. as well? We're all, we're all part of the same team, right? I, I think it, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Did you ever hear that? No. The whole, oh, the whole yeah. is greater than the sum Absolutely. of its parts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what he's saying here. Now we'll read number 11, the rest of number 11. <laughs> Read it again, basically. On that day, when the wicked are punished, I will erect David's fallen sukkah, i.e. the fallen Davidic monarchy. I will build its broken walls caused by the split into two kingdoms, erect its ruined status during exile, and rebuild it as it was in former times. Mm -hmm. The monarchy will be such that the Jewish people who are called by my name, the people of God, will inherit the remaining peoples of Edom and all the other nations to be their servants, says God, who will carry out this promise. Okay. Then God says, we are going to bring them back, we'll reestablish the, king, the, the, the kingdom of David, basically. That's what he says. Now, in number 13, he goes in the folder. Look, days are coming. Days are coming. Go ahead, go ahead. Says God when the plowman will be so busy with the large amounts of crops that he continues plowing up to the time of reaping so that he meets up with the reaper, the the treader of grapes will be so busy with the large volume of grapes that that he meets with the seed carrier who's going to plant the new crop. So many grapes will grow in the mountains that wine will drip from the mountains and there will be such an abundance of food that it will appear as if the hills have melted forming oil and milk. Whoa! <laughs> Where is this written in the Torah? In the Pasha of this week. The beginning of Pasha's Bechukoy, It says something very similar. Beginning of Pashas, the Chukhoisai says, if you will li- you listen to my comment on page 827. 827. 827. 827. We'll have time for everybody to find it. 
827. Okay. You want it. to read the beginning? Yeah. Okay. If you will pursue the study of my laws in order to guard my commandments and observe them, then I will give you rain at a convenient time. The land will yield its produce, and in future even the non-fruit-bearing trees will be trees of the field will produce fruit. You will be busy with threshing until the grape harvest, and the grape harvest will keep you busy until the sowing season. You see? The same mm -hmm. idea. Right. That one season will be will meet will meet the other season. Will be such an abundance that you'll never be you never have time to clean up your nose basically. You'll be you you will constantly be busy. Mm -hmm. You know when you when I complain to my mother that I'm very busy, she tells me that's good. Other people are not. <laughs> right? Yeah. When you're busy at work, it's good, it's a blessing. When the store is busy. Oh, it's so much work. Yeah, yeah. You, you wish for these days, right? That's what Hashem is saying. That is going to be. That really what this part of this week is the same blessing that Aimas is giving us. When will be when Moshe will come. Number 14. We're going back to the after of this week. Aye. Of this uh, part uh, par of Number 14. Go I ahead. will then I will then pacify the exiles of Israel, my people. They will rebuild the cities that were destroyed during the exile and will inhabit them forever. They will plant vineyards and they will, alone will drink their wine. They will cultivate gardens and eat their fruits. I will plant them on their land with firm roots like a tree and they will never again be uprooted from the land that I've given them, says God, your God. Then here it says the Shafti et Ami Israel. I will pacify them, I'll bring them back. Really, one of the meaning, I think, I'll bring them back. It's an expression. I don't know why they translated it different. Because in the end of the Torah, in the end of the Torah, it's written that God will bring you. Yeah. There is written that God will, oh, here it is, page 1321. 1321. Um, number in the in the after of which we just read the shafti the shafti at shvut Israel shvut am Israel the same word shafti shvut I'll bring back God will bring back the Jewish people how is going to God going to bring back it's written that God goes with the Jews to exile and he stays with them wherever the Jews go the Shechina goes with the Jews he never sends the Jews he goes with them and he never comes before them back. He comes with them back, together with them. 
And God is not necessarily in the Holy Land. God is where the Jews are. Now we have a lot of Jews in the Holy Land. Beautiful. That God is there too. But God is, there is the Shekhinah in the whole package, the whole package is moving with the Jews. Is that the idea that God is in the, in the synagogue? The Shekhinah is in the synagogue? God is wherever Jews are. If the Jews are in the bar, God is in the bar. If the shul is empty, the Jews are in the bar, God is not in shul, he's in the bar. God is with the Jews are. Sometimes he's happy to be there, sometimes he's not so happy, but he's with the Jews are. You know, it's like the, the people say, wherever my kids are moving, I'm moving with them. And not necessarily happy to move, but he's moving. And you see, everything in the physical world is a reflection of the spiritual world. That if, God, if, if, if in the physical world, parents will go wherever the children are, and because this is the way in the spiritual world. God will go wherever, wherever the Jewish people are. Now, not always the, the, the parents are going, the parents, if the children are established and their families, then the parents might move. But the, the idea is like this. The same thing is here. Veshavti Chvutami means that God will go, can bring back Israel, they will establish cities, uh, uh, cities were desolated, they will build them, they will claim vineyard, they will drink the wine, they will, and, and then he promised them they will never leave the land again. Because the Moshech will come, will be one time forever. And that's how the book is famous concludes. That's the end of, the, of, the, of his book. That, that's why it's chosen as Torah because of the positive side of it. Because the Aftorah's job is, see the prophets in their time might have to give reprimand to the Jewish people. At their time, in their place, it was the right thing to say. It doesn't mean we need to say it in Shul. There's a famous story about Rabbi Lezer the Great. There is a Torah that we don't have it in this book, I think. Odait Yerushalayim al Tell Jerusalem about your um, abomination, bad behavior. That once was a, a, a student stood up in Shul by Rabbi Lezer the Great. Rabbi Lezer the Great was a very strict rabbi, very sharp. He was one of the greatest rabbis, but you saw, I remember this, the famous story, the Torah Mount of the Yeshiva. There is a reason for it. <laughs> somebody started to read the Torah, he told them, he said, before you speak about the, the abominations of Jerusalem, go check out the abominations of your mother. <laughs> they went and they checked and there was something wrong there in the family, in the, in the dynasty. <laughs> the tablet said, you coming and you're speaking against Jerusalem? He didn't read his own thing. He read the Torah. He read a prophecy. But the rabbis didn't like the idea to take prophecies, even if it's from the Torah, yeah. You don't take negative things. Just come to Shul to hear something positive. What do you start to beat them up the, over the head? Tell them something inspiring. The old job of the Torah, like in the, the Pash of the week, in this Pash of Bechokotai, there is a whole section of the curses, right? The curses in the, in the Torah. In the, in the Parsha, to a point that the Torah reader, don't, you don't honor anybody with the Aliyah. The Torah reader himself gets the Aliyah. Because the whole language in the text is, and it should be to you, to you, to you, to you. That if you, you ate somebody, you should say, come to me. I have an Aliyah for you. <laughs> then because of this, even the Torah reader is not being called up to the Torah. He just says the blessing and he moves on. 
then the Torah, we have to read the Torah. The, the, whole, the whole five books of Moses, we have no choice. You cannot choose them. We can choose. But the Torah is pick and choose, made specially to take positive pieces to, that a person should walk home after shul with an upbeat mood. Here is words of comforting. And the Rebbe, many times, he used to read the Torah, he used to cry because it was so, he used to see how, he used to pray that this should be fulfilled, this prophecy should become a reality. Well, I, I mean, I think it's amazing, again, that this key prophecy prophesized 150 years before the destruction of the first temple, <coughs> and 50 years after that, they came back. 70 years later, yeah. They came back, you're right. So the, the people but at they, that time still, that were reading this, right? Yeah, it was. And was, they saw what was happening. It was almost, it was not exactly, <laughs> you know, the coming back was a little. That mm, was schmuck. It was not so exciting. They only had 40,000 on the first round coming back. Little, like, still, they, they, okay, yeah, you are. Right, better than not, you are. Right. Yeah, it was a second temple. Uh -huh. It was a second temple. And it happened a lot faster than. No, you the know? prophet said it's going to be 70 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're right. But they, it, it didn't look like it's going to happen in 70 years. The way it looked outside, they didn't look it's going to, they're going to come back in 70 years. How much more did you see? What the, what the point is, Amos, there is a concept in Judaism, you complete something on a good note. We spoke about it a while ago, a year ago, I think. This is one of the proofs for it. Amos gives bad news, bad news, bad news. By the end, he says, but guys, in the end of the days, it's going to be good days. <laughs>